human knee. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime and knee. Hello and welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Ange, and we're going to tell you a fucked up story. But or before two. we get to that, or two, <laughs> before we get to that, sorry for the inconsistencies, everyone, but life has been hectic and we had to do an impromptu uh, storage cleaning and camping trip. So we were out of service for a while. Yeah, we really tried to post an episode the week that we didn't, but we realized we had no self-service, so no internet service. Um, And since we are procrastinators who don't really plan ahead so well, uh, you get what you get. (laughs) Yeah. We're doing our best, and that's the best we can do. Congratulations to Angela. She got into grad school, so we... Might have a, we might have to switch to once every other week for an episode starting in August once she's in school uh, because she needs to be studying instead of... I'll be busy. Reading up on murder. I mean, she will be reading I mean, up on murder. I obviously I'll still read up on murder. <laughs> you know, we might have to switch to every other week. We will definitely let you know when that happens. Because reading up on murder as a hobby is completely different from actually having to write up uh, coherent stories about murder. <laughs> Yeah. Well, semi-coherent. Semi-coherent. We don't promise coherency. Mm-mm. Never. So, we will keep you posted for that, but congratulations, Angela. Thanks. Going to grad school, doing Yay. her dream. and we Doing my dream. Doing the dream. That's what, I don't know. I never did the dream, so I'm not sure about it. <laughs> doing Whatever the you. dream of, oh, book fuck, learners. life is hard. I don't know what to do. I'm running back to school. Yep, book learning, so. Yeah. That'll be good and exciting, so hooray for that. Hooray, hooray. And without further ado... Let's get to it. Okay. Let's do it. I'm so excited for this story. It's fucking insane. Oh, good. Yes. Okay, so this is the last story from the book, The Killer Across the Table, Unlocking the Secrets of Serial Killers and Predators with the FBI's Original Mindhunter by John Douglas and Mark Olshaker. Every time you say it, I'm like, couldn't it's the pick like a, title? a more quaint, a more quaint, you not quaint, think? a kosher, co- <laughs> not kosher, no, cohere, cohere. Co- no. cohesive, small, Shit. little bitty. I had it, and then I kept talking. A tiny um, title. Concise. Concise. Uh, I wonder if mom got that before I did, probably. Okay, mm-hmm. so... I know what like did their uh oh shit editor like not they were like yeah no it's fine just keep mm-hmm. going a paragraph is totally acceptable for a title okay so in the in the book the authors kind of like they like mention him and they go a little bit into it and I was like this dude like what the fuck is happening with this dude so then I did more research and I got more information from an article at jfk.hood.edu at law.justia.com, New York Times, New York Times, New York Times, Washington Post. Wow. So, here we go. Garrett Brock Trapnell was born in Waltham, Massachusetts. I doubt that's how you say it. Waltham? Yeah. Just because they always, like, drop letters out and add letters and stuff. On January 31st, 1938, so he's an Aquarius. Hey! Oh. Just like me. Those crazy Aquarius. Guys, well, watch out. 
We don't exactly have our feet on the ground. No, you guys are a creative bunch. His father was a graduate of the Naval Academy at Annapolis, and his mother attended Radcliffe for one year, which I'm guessing people on the East Coast know what Radcliffe is. I don't Sounds know. Sounds familiar. Okay. I think it's that school Harry Potter went to. No, that's ha- Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, I was going to say Harry Radcliffe. <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it sounds British and fancy. Uh, so she was a member of an old Mas- Massachusetts family, which is also why I think they probably know what it is. Yeah. Old money, fancy school. Yeah. And she drank heavily. His yeah. father was married five times. Wow. And then he was forced to leave the Navy after an investigation indicate indicated i can't i haven't read no 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 it's indicated i just like okay guys it's early i can't i haven't done this for a while i feel rusty as Um, shit okay so also it always surprises me when someone gets people to marry them more than once five times the same person or different people (laughs) you convinced five different people to marry you so i feel like that's a skill right like some kind of skill he was skilled in finding people and convincing them to marry him. That's a skill. I guess that's just your job then at that mm. point. <laughs> also, back in those days, like, everyone, you, you know, you're supposed to get married right. and have kids. So I don't think it'd be that hard. He had, like, a job, you know, he was in the Navy until mm. he was <laughs> indicated in operating a bordello. Indicted? No, it says after an invest. Oh, my God. I have to start this over. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say this. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Say it. I'm starting over. Okay. <laughs> Garrett Brock Tra- I don't even know. Garrett Brock Trapnell was born in Waltham, Massachusetts on January 31st, 1938. He's an Aquarius. Boo-boo. Crazy Aquarius. Okay. Oh, His father you. was a... Gra- <laughs> you guys are... You guys are lots of fun and very unpredictable. Yeah. 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 Well, I can't even predict myself. So. No. Yeah. yeah. No. Very creative and difficult to uh, make happy. You watch yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And you also know how to fan my flames. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his father was a graduate of the Naval Academy at Annapolis, and his mother attended Radcliffe for one year, mm-hmm. was a member of an old Massachusetts family, and drank heavily. Mm-hmm. His father was married five times, okay. and he was forced to leave the Navy after an investigation indicated that he was operating a bordello while stationed in the Panama Canal Zone. Wow. I mean, that's, I feel like... Uh, wow, entrepreneur. Mm. I mean, the Navy, you know, it's got to get boring. I guess. So. I didn't know. I think, I don't know. Never done the Navy. You got to be a madam. It's like, I would assume that you have things to do and like push ups and stuff or things. And like, then you can fit in like being your own madam. That's impressive. What would he be called? The Monsieur? Monsieur. Of the Bordello. Also, that name. <laughs> I don't know why, but it makes me think of like candy or something. Bordello? Yeah. Isn't there a candy called Bordello? Or like a bear? A chocolate? Like a Bordello bear? What? I don't know. <laughs> chocolate bear? Bordello. I doubt it. It does sound like it would have some kind of marshmallow filling. Yeah, like a fun candy. It does sound like a fun yes. candy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Garrett's parents divorced when he was four years old. He then lived with his younger sister and his mother and grandmother near Boston. His sister and mother were always fighting, and police were often called to the house. Because they were fighting. Shit. Fighting over that bordello. The last bordello left in the box. uh Uh-huh. Gotta get that. You gotta get the last bordello. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) 
They moved at least five times during a six-year period. Holy shit. So, you know, his life is pretty tumultuous at a young age. But they're moving because he's in the Navy. No, they're divorced. Oh. So he's living with his mom and sister who are always fighting and his grandma. I promise I'm listening. Yeah. (laughs) This is a disaster already. Okay. God. When Garrett was about 11, he was sent to live with his father and his latest stepmother in the Canal Zone. Okay. The father died a year or two later, oh. and he was kicked out of the house by the stepmother. Right. She's like, I'm not dealing with your ass. Get out. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, he's like 12 at this point. <laughs> oh, God. So he dropped out of high school with an IQ of 131. Wow. Which I'm thinking is pretty high. Yeah. I don't know the range, but I think it's high. I think, I mean, I'm I'm obviously not in the range, but I think it's like... Because you're like 150. Yeah. Yeah. I think like 140 is like genius. Well, then why would they mention 131? Because that that's like almost like... genius. Well, that's almost like... genius isn't genius, That's like is kissing it? genius. Ew. You know what I mean? Wait, I want to find out it's what this like, is. Just a, a, just a hair from genius. IQ ranges. Above 140, near oh. genius or genius. 120 to 140. Oh, very, very superior, superior intelligence. intelligence. Okay, so he was superior. <laughs> well, see, I wasn't... I very mean, superior. Yeah. Okay, those tests are all bunk anyway, so... Sorry if you think you have a high IQ. They're not really that... They're not the end-all, be-all in intelligence. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, No, just because you have a high IQ doesn't mean you know how to tie your shoes. So, by the age of 15, he was living in a three-story brothel in Panama Canal called the House of Love. What? Who? Where else is he going to go? He's, like, stranded in Panama. What do you mean, where else is he going to go? Who took him into a brothel? Well, listen, he's he's like a young, barely teenage boy. He's living at home. Everything's good. His dad dies. His mom's like, get the fuck out. He's like, well, his okay. If your dad or like operates a bordello, you're probably probably spending time. Okay, okay. So you're probably friends with people that you probably know. Like, yeah. That's what I was wondering. You're like, I'm 13. I just show up at like a bordello, and I'm like, hello. Can I sleep here? They'd probably take you in. They'd probably be like, yeah, come on in and help us, like, clean the kitchen. and Really? Can... I'm going to try that. You're not a little kid anymore. I'll shave my beard and put on a <laughs> little, one of those little hats with a spinny thing on it. <laughs> Big lollipop. <laughs> Big lolly. And I'll be like, hello, I'm a small child. I hear you have room and board here. I think it makes me sound younger. <laughs> Most people love an accent. They'll bring you in. All right, in. try that out. I will. First, you I'll report find back next a brothel week. and then do that. <laughs> okay. At this time, he was also caught stealing. So an Episcopal minister who befriended him arranged for him to be sent to the St. Francis Boys School in Salinas, no, in Salina, Kansas. Hmm. He stayed there for a year or so, and at 17, he joined the army. And served for a while at Fort Hood, Texas, where his uncle was the commanding general. How convenient. Yeah. Also, funny that there's a St. Francis Boys School. Wow. Kansas. Garrett showed a keen interest in guns while in the Army, mm. but had a long record of rule infractions and was finally discharged after he shot himself. Oh. Apparently accidentally. Yeah. 
but you can't take someone who's been living on their own in brothels and put them in the military say. and expect them to like follow the rules. At 13, you're also, like... Also, like he probably never had rules anyway. Like well, his mom yeah. and sister were always fighting. Then he goes to live with his dad who dies and then, and then he's, he's on he's kicked his own. out and he's in a brothel yeah. and then he's had to fend for himself, so... Yep. Yeah, going from that to like military rules, shit. So he later re-enlisted and then he continued to get in trouble and was like... He was, like, made to leave again. So, at 20... So, this is one of those stories that we talk about where it's like, oh, my God, this dude has lived so much fucking life. Uh-huh. At 20, he bragged about running guns for Fidel Castro and was kicked out of Cuba. But they don't... Like, the U.S. doesn't entirely know what he was doing uh-huh. while he was in Cuba. But he was kicked out. So, whether or not he was running guns for Fidel Castro, he did something wrong. Yeah, they asked him to leave. Then he went to California, picked up a hitchhiker named Edgar E. Flurry, 31, and they pulled a series of armed robberies in New Mexico, Iowa, and Maryland. First of all, can you be like, can you imagine just being like, I'm going to pick up a hitchhiker, and then you pick up one that is just as corrupt as you, that you're like yeah. driving and you're like, hey, have you ever like, I don't know, held up a store? Well, maybe it was one of those things where they like became instant best friends, and they were like, you like robbing banks? I like oh robbing banks. Oh, my God. You know, I've oh been meaning God. to rob a bank. I was actually on my way to robbing a bank. Oh, you need money? I need Did money. Did you want to do this together? Let's fucking do we it. We can make best friend bracelets and go rob a bank. Cute. He's like, I have all these, like, fun bracelets from Cuba. Do you want one? <laughs> they were arrested in Maryland after Flurry called the police because he said Garrett had threatened to kill him. Ah. So, you know, uh, yeah. best friend spat. Yeah, yeah, It happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's used to spats like that from his life. Uh, yeah. So he said that a lawyer told him, quote, Trap, you're going to go to prison for 20 years, or you can go to the state hospital by pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. Ooh. So I went to the state hospital, and I dug the whole action. <laughs> I read more damn books on psychiatry and psychology than probably any psychology student within any school in the world. Shit. So he's studying up. Okay, I mean, use your time wisely. Garrett was sent to a mental hospital in Spring Grove, Maryland for one year. His partner, Flurry, received a 20-year sentence for armed robbery and was released after serving five years and eight months. Oh. So instead of getting a 20-year sentence, he got a one-year sentence to go read up on... Read more on psychiatry. Not bad, and he probably didn't really have anywhere to go, so it's like room and board. Chill. Yeah. So then there were a few years when Trapnell or Garrett Trapnell continued to get into trouble with the law, and he during this time was refining his insanity defense. Oh. <laughs> he was arrested for robbery, forgery, auto theft, and other charges at least once a year during most of the years between 1961 and 1969. Oh my god, what? In almost all cases, he evaded criminal prosecution by being sent to a mental hospital from which he usually escaped. So he's got it figured out. He's got it way figured out. <laughs> so at first he was pleading, this is how figured out he got it. So at first he was pleading insanity, which came with a one year confinement in a mental institution, but escaping got so tiring. But they're obviously like, like he's like, pleading insanity and people are believing him. Yes, because like, he studied up on yeah, it. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yes. So he's like, I'm so sick of like, you know, getting in and then I have to find a way to escape. And it's like, fucking <laughs> oh, I, this is God. like ridiculous. So lame. 
So instead, he changed to an insane while committing the crime defense, which would come with no time being locked up at all. How did he not find that before? Well, I take wow. that's life. Yeah, I you know, you gotta practice. Gotta and like, There's gotta be something tries. better. Yeah, yeah. At first, it's like, okay, the escaping's not that bad. And then after you escape, like, the sixth or seventh time, you're kind of like, okay, there's gotta be more to this. Well, and um, so he's escaping, and they're not, like, giving him more time for... They're just, they don't like, have time for that. They're like, well, he got out again. Also, I feel like if you're... He's, He's, like, all over the country, so he's probably going to different institutions, oh. and they're probably like, we don't want to admit that we lost a patient. That's like, true. we're just going to keep it, you know. Yeah. He seemed fine. He'll he's be fine. fine. <laughs> Good enough. You know, we almost made it to a year. Good enough. <laughs> so he described this disease that he mimicked to get, you know, insane while committing the crime. He said it was... Paranoid schizophrenia with a surfacing and submerging nature. The classic uh, dual personality compounded by paranoia, the sense of being persecuted. The result is an inability to differentiate between right and wrong due to this split personality. Interesting. He said, take Gary B. Trapnell and Greg Ross. They're both the same physical person, but they are two mentally different people. If Greg Ross commits a crime and the Greg Ross aspect submerges after he is put in prison... Then you're punishing the wrong person. And the Gary Trapnell aspect emerges, then Gary Trapnell is not responsible legally for what Greg Ross does. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is... Um, I want to say genius, but uh, what was it? Highly intelligent? Superior, Superior. intelligence, I think. Yeah, definitely. Oh, shit. I have oh, so many no. pages open on my computer. Oh, like, my all the time. God. Oh, here it is. What oh, is let's that? see. Very superior ah, intelligence. Ah, that was a very superior intelligent move. Yeah, he said that he went for a Jekyll and Hyde vibe. I'm feeling it. Yeah. That is a... Apparently yeah. everyone else was, too. Yeah. So sometime in his life, he was married at least twice and had two children during all wow, of this. Oh, God. I mean... I know. Maybe I'm just too picky. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You just, I mean, this was his niche. Like, this was his thing. But you who know? are they marrying, Jekyll or Hyde? I think they're marrying Garrett. And then, you know, when he needs money or whatever, or a thrill, then he becomes, what was it? Greg. <laughs> okay. I like how he chose, you know, two G names. He, like, well, really embodies that. Well, yeah, because you're, like, one person with two people, one body with two people inside. You know what? <laughs> okay, so it's going to get crazier. Oh. In March 1970, while he was running a legitimate business, which was renting German Shepherd dogs for protection. Fun. What? He met a topless go-go dancer named <laughs> Kathleen Hunsinger near Hollywood Sunset Strip. Although he was married at the time, he persuaded her to elope with him and took her to Las Vegas and got her so drunk that she thought they were married. <laughs> Then Garrett disappeared with a number of her credit cards, her power of attorney, and some money. Her power of attorney? Uh-huh. What? I don't know. He, like, convinced someone that she was unfit. I don't know. Oh, no. Or he had her sign it away, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. With one of the cards, Garrett rented a light plane and flew to the Bahamas, where he met a man named Roger Michael Peterson, who also carried a gun. After Garrett felt that he had been snubbed by a clerk at a store called Emeralds of Columbia, the two of them returned 
took $105,000 worth of jewels and then escaped to Florida in the plane as police cars arrived at the airport. He flew back to Atlanta and disappeared. So he also knows how to fly planes. Apparently. And also, like, where did he get the money to rent a plane? And... Well, he was selling the German... I mean, he was renting out German Shepherds. He did have a job. Also... The topless go-go dancer, Kathleen, yeah. he took her money right. and credit cards. Right. With one of her credit cards, he rented the plane. Ah. Flew to the Bahamas, met some dude. Again, instant best friends. He's like, you got a gun? I got a gun. BFF, let's rob someone. This, I know this, like, store, they just, they were, like, real we're dicks to me. flying to the Bahamas. So... We're going to rob a grocery store. No, jewelry store. <laughs> we're going to take jewels because they snubbed me. Yeah, clearly. Then we're going to go back to Florida. Okay. Okay. Just as, so they get in the plane. They're like flying and the police like get to the airport and they're like, shit, we lost it. <laughs> so he flew back to Atlanta and then disappeared. <laughs> uh, he had been arrested at least 20 times for major crimes, but had spent less than two years in jail. Oh my. Oh yeah. Cause he was in the mental hospital. No. And because eventually, you know, Greg was doing everything. So. Well, yeah. You can't blame Garrett when it's Greg. For almost 15 years, Garrett once said he made a point of trying to fool psychiatrists and psychologists in Florida, Texas, Maryland, New York, California, and Canada into believing that he was a genuine Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, normally a sane, honest man whose mind every so often was taken over by a sinister alter ego called Greg Ross. It just makes me think of like... You know, when you're like, oh, I'm going to go to all 50 states and, like, collect a keychain or, like, one of those little spoons yeah. that, why the fuck do they have tiny spoons with the states on it? But they do. Teaspoons. And you get the little spoon and you that's yeah. your goal. But his goal is to, like, be considered insane in every state. <laughs> He's got, like, a little Lofty map. goals. Where he, like, yes. checks yeah, off exactly. the state. That's what I imagine. He's got, like, a map on his wall and he's got, like, pins and all well, of also them. Well, also Canada. And he was kicked out of Cuba, so he's going international, too. Right. So he's, like, trying to hit every every Whoa. country, trying to get the insanity every state, everywhere. Every country, every, everywhere. I mean, because then if he, like, gets caught somewhere, then he's like, look, this place, this place, this place, this place, and this place all have me written down as insane. Clearly so I'm insane sometimes. Clearly so. you could just check that box and let me out. So he's on the run, obviously, for the jewelry theft. Mm-hmm. Then in January 1971, he turned up and... Okay, so for 15 years, he's, like, perfected his act, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that, that's his career. That's pretty He's impressive. an actor, yeah. right? He's, like, honed uh, an his actor. skill. That's right. He's honed <laughs> his skill. So in January 1971, he turned up in Syracuse, where he was caught after allegedly escaping from a mental institution in Montreal. This was at least his second escape from an asylum, which I'm pretty sure he did, like, a lot more. At this time, he was wanted in Canada for six bank robberies. <laughs> Once a month, from March through September of 1970, Garrett and Peterson flew to Canada and robbed a bank in Montreal or Toronto. Their total take, authority said, was more than $130,000. Wow. So, once so a they've month, got like they a scheduled trip. Yes. They're like, oh, let, let's go on to our once a month journey to Canada. Well, we got bills are coming up. Well, we got to pay true. rent. That's true. Pop on over yeah, to Canada. A, it, like you said, it is a career. It's a yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, an international career. In April of 1970, he robbed a bank in Nova Scotia and stole thirty thousand dollars. He was also wanted for two shopping center bank robberies in Toronto in 1969 and 1970. 
In one of the robberies, the bank manager was kidnapped, then released unharmed. In September 1970, Garrett was caught while trying to rob a Montreal bank. Peterson escaped and is sought by authorities in his in his country and Canada, and Garrett, claiming that he was insane, was sent to a high-security institution, the Pennell Institute near Montreal. It sounds like a fancy art school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, he met a secretary whom he would later marry. <laughs> According to authorities, on January 24th, 1971, three months after Garrett went to Pennell, Peterson, posing as a lawyer, smuggled him a toy pistol and he escaped. <laughs> That's fun. Uh-huh. From there, he drove to Syracuse and let the guard go. So he, like, brought a guard with him. Right. Gotta have a hostage. The guard called the police and Garrett was picked up at a bus station. The authorities sent him to Florida for prosecution in the jewel theft. There, he convinced psychiatrists at a Florida hospital that he had been insane at the time. Mm -hmm. And three months later, in March of 1971, he was free again. Mm -hmm. Then, in September in 1971, in Miami, Garrett had tried to get the title of a 60-foot yacht. He saw an ad for it and negotiated to buy it for $306,800 in $100 bills. Wow. What? In July, the day before the scheduled signing of the papers, a notary public was called to the yacht and asked by Garrett to witness the signing of the bill of sale by the manager of the boat. The next day, lawyers gathered for the closing of the sale in Miami Garrett did not appear, and they discovered that he was already in possession of the yacht. Uh-huh. He said that he had given the money to the manager, who took the money and disappeared. Yeah. And the manager has not been seen since. Likely story. The president of the company argued that it was his boat and took Garrett to court, and the court of Miami agreed with the owner. So Garrett faced criminal charges in at least three states at this time, and Canada and the Bahamas. He had escaped from mental institutions twice. So Can you shake my dog? She's snoring a lot. On January 28th, 1972, Garrett, 34 at the time. Oh, wow. This is all happening. Like before he's even middle-aged. He boarded TWA Flight 2, a Boeing 707. The flight was going from Los Angeles to New York. There were 93 passengers and seven crew members on board. Once they got over Chicago, about three hours into the flight, Garrett went to the first class lounge and handed flight attendant Constance Tokarski Tokarski, a note indicating that the airplane was being hijacked and that she should follow instructions if she did not want to be hurt. Oh, wow. What? (laughs) With Constance leading the way, Garrett gained entrance to the cockpit where he pulled a gun on Uh the crew members and ordered them to follow his instructions. Oh, shoot. He had a forty-five caliber handgun that he had smuggled onto the plane in a fake cast on his arm. (laughs) So I don't know if I put this in later, but during this time, planes were hijacked all the time in the United States. Like, people would be mad about something and get on a plane and hijack it. Well, I mean, yeah, they weren't checking people's pockets or checking people's casts for guns. Like, none of it. It was just insane. And now we have to go through, like, fucking insane, like, security checks. Where, like, this people were getting on, like, once a month and hijacking planes. It's like, fucking A. Okay, so his plan was he wanted to be flown to Kennedy International Airport. 
and then to Dallas to pick up a prisoner in the county jail there, <laughs> and then to Europe. Oh, okay. So we got to make a pit stop, pick up a friend. Yeah. And go to Europe for our vacay. He was trying to get Jorge Anthony Padilla, who was 24, out of jail. Padilla and Garrett had met in 1966 while they were both patients at Jackson Memorial Hospital. He said that Garrett taught him how to fake insanity. So Padilla is his little uh, protege. Ah, uh, cute. Padilla attributed his subsequent success in having criminal charges dropped against him on the grounds of insanity to these instructions from Garrett. So Garrett really helped him out. That's nice. I mean, you know, he he's just living life differently. He's got his own little protege. He's trying to make ways. Yeah, he's just trying he's just going to take him to Europe. He's going to pick him up and take him to Europe. So Padilla was charged with armed robbery in Dallas and was wanted in Miami for another robbery and probation violation. Mm. So apparently the, the insanity didn't work this time. Originally, Garrett wanted Padilla to be flown to New York to meet him there so they could go to Europe, but then he changed his mind and decided that he was just going to go get him. Well, yeah, you can't trust the authorities yeah. to fly him out to New York. Yeah, no. You got to go he, get him yourself. He's in charge of a plane now. He can just grab it. Yeah. He also demanded $306,800 in cash to make up for his lost money on the boat deal. He wanted a pardon from President Nixon uh, and the release of Dr. Angela Davis, who was an activist. Okay. So he's a... He later said that he asked for her release because he knew the chances of him getting caught and sent to prison were really high. Mm -hmm. But at that time, like activism was like really going on so it would elevate his position in prison if they knew that he was like fighting for yeah. you know and people outside of prison would be like oh this guy he's like, he's like yeah he's really trying and then they, he'd get all those people on his side yeah. of like free him he's just trying to free her so he's really calculating nice so the plane landed in new york but when he changed his plan to include the stop in Dallas, he let the plane refuel and the crew who had been working for 12 hours leave so another crew could come on board. <laughs> cool. He let the passengers leave the plane. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And at one point, he made the pilot take off and circle the airport for an hour because he was worried that an FBI agent at the nose of the plane would try to get on. <laughs> He's like, close it up. Let's go. Let's go. That dude's suspicious as fuck. Yeah. Okay, so then they had a new pilot come onto the plane. This new pilot had flown a TWA plane that was hijacked from California to Rome on October 31st, oh, 1969. Geez. So he had literally just been hijacked, and they're like, you have experience with this. Come on and down. And flew to Europe, so you got this. That's what, Okay, I'm telling you, like, so much hijacking was happening. I had no idea. I had no idea either. A lot of times it was like mental health situations that were happening where people like were not clearly in their right minds and they were like, they hijacked a plane to like get something that they wanted or whatever, but. Interesting how they didn't start amping up the uh, security mm -hmm. until quote unquote terrorists mm -hmm. were uh, doing it. But if it's your own people, it's fine. Yeah. If it's like the white dude down the street, it's like whatever. Totally but, cool. Yeah. Uh, school shootings, anyone? Okay. So, or mass shootings, really. Mm-hmm. He spoke on the phone, so Garrett spoke mm. on the phone to a psychiatrist in Dallas and two lawyers in Miami. The psychiatrist had been seeing Garrett for two years, which I don't know that he's helping very much, <laughs> and he told one of the lawyers to fly from Miami to Dallas and then to Kennedy, and then as soon as the lawyer got there, he refused to see him. Oh. He's like, never mind, I changed my mind. I don't want to talk to you. So Garrett stood on the boarding ramp to supervise as the new crew came on board. 
There were three men, the pilot with the hijacking experience, mm -hmm. like previously. The, and then two FBI agents dressed as TWA crew. Oh, I just imagine like these two men in like little like uh, stewardess outfits yeah. with like their mustaches and they're like, yeah. we're just ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we're just flight attendants with We're their cute little hats because you know back one yeah. day they had like their little, little hat, uniform hat and, stuff. and their like little skirts and stuff uh well and then one female flight attendant right <laughs> so one of the fbi agents had pilot training so just in case they had to take off he like oh shit yeah knew what to do so garrett let his guard down and then lowered his pistol just for a moment when uh -huh. one of the fbi agents was a marksman and he fired two shots hitting Garrett in the left shoulder and arm and captured him. Shit. Whoa. Okay. The hijacking lasted nine hours. Oh my God. Okay. But these guys like, they didn't shoot to kill, you know, they shot yeah. to like disarm him yeah. and it's all fine. Yeah. So he, <laughs> Garrett was the second hijacker shot in three days. Oh my god. That's what god. I'm saying. It's like happening all the fucking time. Like planes are being hijacked. Just like right now. Festival and left. hijackers. Yes, like all the time. Jeez. So his trial lasted for five weeks. He pled insanity and he said that he wasn't the hijacker. It was Greg Ross, obviously. Mm -hmm. One psychologist and four psychiatrists. <laughs> psychiatrists testified that he was mentally ill during the hijacking. Mm -hmm. While two psychiatrists asserted that he was sane and was malingering, which I love mm. that word. When it was time for the jury to reach the verdict, Eleven wanted to convict, but there was one holdout, and the trial ended in a hung jury. Uh-oh. This dude convinced four psychiatrists and a psychologist that he was insane at the time of the hijacking. And half the jury. No, one, just one wanted to hold out. Oh. His second trial started a couple months later. He was then convicted of air piracy and was sentenced to two life terms plus 11 years. Whoa. So. For air piracy. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yep. Okay. And so, so this time he didn't get away with it, right? So mm, he's in prison. Damn. While he's in prison, Garrett met a woman named Barbara. She was there working on a graduate study inside the prison. Mm-hmm. She had run away from home at like 14 or 15, and at some point she became a sex worker known as Bobby. Apparently she was pretty infamous where she was like from or whatever. Hmm. And then in 1968, she turned it around and joined the army, and she went to air traffic school. Oh. She left the army in 1975, and then after she left the army, she enrolled in a graduate program in a human relationships program designed for people interested in the parole system. Okay. She was a 43-year-old mother of five living in St. Louis when she entered, when she's, like, part of the story. Uh-huh. So, she, like, really turned it around, right? Yeah. So, she, like, went to flight school, basically, and then now she's a graduate student, and then she meets Garrett. At some point, Garrett convinces her to help him escape. Yes. Excellent. So, this is what Barbara did. Okay. She chartered a helicopter, saying that she wanted to inspect some flooded property. Mm. Uh, when she was, when they like lifted off, then mm. she pulls a gun. Okay. Mm -hmm. Orders the pilot to fly low over the prison yard where three inmates <laughs> were waiting to escape. And throw down a ladder. 
No. <laughs> she was going to have him land in the prison oh yard. Oh, my God. What? And get these three prisoners. So the three prisoners waiting to escape were Martin McNally and Garrett Trapnell, who were convicted hijackers. Mm-hmm. Martin was also a hijacker. Yeah, fun. And James Johnson was a bank robber. Oh, so he finds, like, like-minded friends yeah. anywhere he goes. He's a good, yeah, he's a good, uh, he's charming. He's good at making friends. Yeah. So her plan was to rescue these three dudes and then marry Garrett as soon as he was free. Aww. I know. So romantic. Cute. <laughs> On May 24th, 1978, during the landing, the pilot wrestled the gun away from Barbara. <laughs> they struggled and she reached for another gun oh, when the pilot shot until he knew he had killed her. Oh, shit. So Barbara died and the plan failed. Oh, no, Barbara. But one of Barbara's children, Robin, developed a relationship with Garrett. Oh, no. They corresponded with each other and she considered him her father. Okay. On December 21st, 1978, the 17-year-old Robin Uh boarded a TWA flight from Louisville, Kentucky to Kansas City with a stop in St. Louis. Minutes after the flight took off from St. Louis, Robin took over. (laughs) She told flight attendants that she was armed with three sticks of dynamite and she demanded that her father be freed or she would detonate it. (gasps) The flight had 83 passengers and a crew of six. Eventually, FBI negotiators were able to talk her down, and it turns out her dynamite pack was actually railroad flares wired to a doorbell. Oh, I mean, that's cute. But in all the articles, they're like, this beautiful young girl, and like, whatever, whatever. Uh, So obviously, that escape didn't work either, so Garrett Trapnell died in prison in 1993. (sighs) What a a life. What a fucking life. Jeez, and all those hijackings all the hijackings get get on a plane like what yes you could just like board a plane and fucking hijack it oh my god crazy i forgot i forgot the statistic but it was just like some thousands of hijackings occurred between like some years in like the 60s and 70s it's just like Every few days, oh this oh person hijacked a plane, this person. It was probably, like, co- like common in the news. I don't know. Flying, you're, like, afraid to fly, not because you're afraid to, like, crash, but because you're afraid to get hijacked. Do you think they, would put, they put it in the news? I don't know. It was happening that often. I mean, maybe your like, totally TWA normal. is probably, like, quieting it down. Yeah. Like, no, no, flying is completely fine. We're not getting, got like, another one. hijacked all the fucking time. It's no, fine. Totally <laughs> not. We just like to randomly... Fly to different airports and hover above airport. Change our for, plan like yeah, midway through. Yeah. It's cool. Sometimes we just want to go to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Well. Yeah. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. Mm. So, Garrett Brock, Trapnel. What a guy. 
scary. He's a, a tossed salad. Okay, but Greg was but a scrambled Greg, egg. Greg, 100% <laughs> scrambled egg, as we could tell. I just can't, like, he was so good at absorbing information oh, that he read some books and yeah. then fooled psychiatrists into thinking that he had, like, temporary insanity. Well, yeah, because, I mean, they're looking at him and they're not thinking, like, oh, he's reading up on this shit. Like, like obviously, he's he's showing symptoms and, like, all these different signs of, like, these, you know, uh, But you'd like have to be so good to be, like, oh, I'm totally normal most of the time or I'm, like, totally, like, together most of the time. And then just, like, very occasionally when I commit crimes, I have, like, bits of schizophrenia and whatever else he said but it's like he made like this perfect little combination Mm -hmm. but to prove that to a psychiatrist when they weren't there during the time of the crime and you're completely like fine when they're talking to you well i mean i I assume that like (sighs) during that time there you wouldn't necessarily have knowledge in in like mental illness if you weren't a psychiatrist or like someone in the field because there's not like the internet to look stuff up people aren't just like handing out textbooks or whatever like i would assume you would go into it being like wow he's exhibiting all these symptoms like there's no way you wouldn't think oh he's reading up on this you just think like he must have he like literally he's checking all these boxes in the textbook like a psychiatrist yeah Yeah, like yeah he you wouldn't assume that he's reading up on it and studying just that he has all these symptoms well and if you don't know that he's like very superior intelligence you just think like oh well yeah like who's creative enough to come up with this shit i'll Mm -hmm. tell you who an aquarius watch out guys thanks (laughs) you're a creative bunch you think outside the box we do we think outside the greg you think inside the greg think outside the garrett and inside the greg that's how we roll toss salad super smart super smart super devious I just, yeah, I mean, not, I'm not saying that he did, like, anything good. No. And obviously, like, Barbara died because of him. But, I mean, he, like... But just the way he was able to pull things off so casually. And, and, like, life is so short. This dude is, like, living life the way he wanted to live it, you know? He, like, structured his life how how he wanted to do it. make a pit stop in Cuba, do this Yeah, I'll travel the fucking world, and then... Scratch that off my list of places to get spoons from. I mean, after how many years of doing this shit, and he spent less than two years in prison? It's pretty impressive. Until the hijacking, that's when he knew that it was superior intelligence. Very superior. Very. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, I thought that was such a crazy story. Man, TSA doesn't let us have any fun anymore. Yeah, fuck TSA. <laughs> <laughs> but really, fuck TSA. But oh, really. Uh not, I mean, obviously we should be checking people's casts, I um, guess. Yeah, I don't like, know. don't bring a gun on, like, duh, but, like, Go through on. the metal detector. Yeah, That's yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm totally fine with going through a metal detector. Yeah. The rest of the stuff, it's like, come on, you guys. Well, it's all for show, because they've it proven time show. and time again they that you know. can sneak anything you want on a plane. 
You just have to know how. And so TSA is just a smokescreen. Speaking to make us of feel TSA, if you, I mean, not that we're traveling now, but someday if you're going to travel on a plane, check out Humblebee Herbal. They have a shampoo bar. Don't be messing with those liquids in the bag bullshit. Oh, yeah. Get a shampoo Measuring bar. Measuring out your ounces and shit. Get yeah. yourself a shampoo bar. They've got three different kinds. It's easy to travel with. It's like. It's Amazing so nice. for your hair and scalp. Oh, I don't yeah. use anything else. My hair's never looked better. Yep. I don't use any conditioner anymore. Stop with the plastic and... bottles. Stop with the liquid. Stop with the landfill shit. Yeah. Try some Humblebee Herbal. They have amazing products, and a lot of them are travel-friendly. Not only do they have a solid shampoo, they've got solid uh, lotion. Yeah, lotion sticks and lotion bars. You don't have so, to bring, like, a bottle of lotion either. Yeah. So hopefully one day we can travel again. But this is also for, like, you know, traveling if you don't want a lotion bottle to explode in your backpack on a road trip, you know, or when camping yeah, or whatever. Camping, get a lotion nice. stick. Get a lotion stick. Get a lotion bar. Get uh, shampoo bars. It's get... all eco-friendly packaging. It's all good ingredients. Get rid of that plastic stuff. So check them out at humblebeherbal.com. That's humblebeherbal.com. Use code CRIMINY20 at checkout to get 20% off your first order. And check them out. You won't be disappointed. All right. Thanks. Buff. All right, let's see. Find my page. Okay. I got... Are you recording? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think so. <laughs> I got my information from CourierJournal.com, News and British? Tribune. No, it's not. Oh. Um, News and Tribune.com and Desiree.com. Oh. So this is the fucked up story of an asshole named Joseph Oberhansley. And a bit about, I mean, just a pinch of how the justice system kind of fucked up and probably could have prevented at least one death. Okay, how many times? <laughs> how many times? Just dipping my toe in. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to start out with his more current crime, and then I'll go back to his past. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. So in 2014, Joseph, who was 39 at the time, was living in Clark County, Indiana, with his mother, Brenda Self, and he met a woman named Tammy Jo Blanton. Oh, Tammy Jo. Tammy Jo. It's a very uh, southern name. The two hit it off right away, as you do, and they began dating. Yeah. And, you know, from the outside, things looked great. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. That's Uh-oh. how it always is. <laughs> Joseph apparently um, kind of vaguely told Tammy about his past, kind of brushed over it, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, she's going to find out, over. but I'm just going to, like, tell you, oh. like, you know, shit happened, but I was just a kid at the time, and I'm changed. I'm a changed man. Yes. And, and she was like, okay, you know. We've all been we through all, some shit. Yeah, we all have a past, so yeah. I'm willing to look past it and give him a chance. And Because she loved him. Uh-huh. And he seemed like an ordinary guy. Like, he wasn't, you know, violent or anything uh-huh. to begin with. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. But as it goes, eventually Tammy started seeing her friends and family less and less. Oh, no. And was with Joseph more and more. And her friends started growing suspicious because it wasn't like Tammy not to talk to them or see them. And they had noticed that Joseph had added his name to Tammy's Facebook. Oh, no. So that he could monitor her activities. 
Look, you guys, if anyone's going through this, there are resources. There are domestic violence hotlines and there are resources for friends and families who are like trying to support people in the situation because it's really tricky. So yeah, don't lose hope and don't turn your back on people who are going through it. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And for the people going through it, like you might not have talked to your friends and family for months or years, but pretty much guaranteed that if you reach out to someone they're gonna be like finally thank god we've been waiting for you to hit us up and we'll yeah. help you okay so obviously things are going downhill um tammy's friends even were like what's this and they like googled him and they were like do you know about all his like criminal past and she was like yeah i know about his past but he's a changed man uh-oh mm. well one weekend, Joseph went to Tammy's house and ended up holding her hostage and raping her multiple times. They're not even living together no. and he's like in control of her Facebook and shit? Yeah. Shit. Oh, Tammy. And the only way that she got out of that was by telling him that if she didn't show up to work on Monday, her coworkers would for sure like yeah. be concerned and they would smart. probably call the police for a welfare check. Super smart. It wasn't like her not to show up. Yes. Um, she worked at a place called Zermed in the billing and coding department for the health technology company. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of typing and a lot of tick, 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 and a lot of uh, some kind of healthcare things. Sure. Okay. So he was like, oh yeah, you're right. Well, you should probably go to work on Monday. So on Monday, September 8th, he let her go to work. Okay. And that's when she confided in a coworker what had been happening that oh, weekend. Oh, good. And, and uh, it was kind of unclear. It was either a coworker or one of her friends or both. Yeah. They were like, come stay with me until we figure it out. Yeah. So Tammy went over to the friend's house and stayed Monday and Tuesday night. Okay. And she texted Joseph while she was there and said, just wanted, like on Monday she texted him, just wanted you to know I won't be home. You can choose to be in denial about what happened Saturday into Sunday. I won't be in denial. No one, and I mean no one, gets to terrify me like you did on Sunday. Good. I will never forget it as long as I live. Good. And to that, he replied, Baby, we had a great dinner Saturday. No. Don't let the negative enter your mind. No! You're my soulmate. Ew. Come to me, please. Come home. Talk to me, baby. So Ew. clearly he gets it. <laughs> I mean, obviously he's manipulating her, but... Yeah, fuck. She oh, told no. him that if he didn't get his stuff out of her house and leave, she would get a restraining order and file Good. criminal charges and rape charges. Yeah, go girl. Wednesday, September 10th, she returned home at night Ooh. after her dad changed all the locks on the doors. Oh, so he left. He was out of her house. Yeah, point. she's oh, like, okay. dad, can you go check? And God, he like went so over scary. and he like changed all the locks on the doors yeah. and he's like, okay, he's not here. So she went home. She locked the doors and the windows, and she even jammed a chair under the back door. That is so scary. And then she texted a friend, at the end of the day, I'm taking my life back. I worked okay. too hard to get here. No one will take me down. Yeah, Tammy. Well. Oh, no, Tammy. Just before 3 a.m. Thursday, Tammy called 911 and told the dispatcher that Joseph was trying to break into the house through the back door. Oh, God. Police arrived as soon as they could, and they found Joseph on her property, and they asked him to leave, okay. and he complied. They even, like, circled back a few times just to make sure he wasn't there. He was gone. They didn't, like, arrest him or anything? They're just like, go away, and he's yeah. like, chill. Yeah. No. He's trying to break into her house. Yeah. 
Well, I think when they got there, he was he was like just like hanging out on the property. No, he's so trespassing he on her property. Yeah. Well, they asked him to leave, and he did. No. Wait, and what year is this? <laughs> 2014. How are they not trained in domestic violence? How are they not trained? Period. Fucking We've learned a. over and over again. That's police true. are not trained. But come on. So where did he go? I will not tell to you. jail. No, he did not go to jail. He went home to his God. mother's house. Oh God. Of course she's sleeping because it's 4 a.m., but does he care? No. Does he live? So he lives with his mom? Okay. He wakes his mom up and begins to rant and become unhinged and talking about how Tammy locked him out and he can't believe it and she changed the locks and he was like super pissed that she called the cops and he was fuming. Oh, God. Then just as quickly as he barged into his mom's room, he left. Uh, call the police. And he went straight back to Tammy's house. Shit. And he began kicking the back door in. And he was finally able to break the door <gasps> and force his way through the barricade. Oh, Tammy no. ran into her bathroom and locked the door, but it was no use. Joseph oh, broke God. through the bathroom door and attacked Tammy. She fought long and hard for her life. Oh, Tammy. But unfortunately, she was no match against a raving mad lunatic. That's so fucking horrible. She did everything yep. right. Yep, yep. By the time Tammy was supposed to be at work the next day, but didn't show up, her co-workers called the police to do a welfare check. She was right. She was right. Mm-hmm. Officers showed up to Tammy's house around 10 a.m. and noted... So, 10 a.m. So, she's supposed to be at work at 9. So, her yeah. co-worker, she didn't show up. Within, like, minutes, her co-workers were like, right. well, we know what she told us on Monday. Yeah. She's not here, so call a welfare check. So, by 10 a.m., the officers were at the house, and... They noted that Tammy's car was still in the driveway, so they did a perimeter check, and then they noticed the signs of forced entry on the back door. So they're not completely incompetent. I guess. <laughs> the officers knocked on the front door, and Joseph answered. What the fuck? And he said that he was Tammy's boyfriend. They asked him for ID, but he said he didn't have any. Uh, of course. Then they asked where Tammy was, and he said he had no idea. She suddenly went missing. Uh-huh. While this exchange was happening, officers noted that Joseph's hands were scraped and a little Uh bloody, and so they decided to search him. Okay. And when they searched him, they found a folding knife in his pocket. Oh, God. When they opened the knife, it was covered in blood and hair. Oh, God. When the officers entered the house, they noticed a lot of blood everywhere. As they approached the bathroom, they saw that the door was in pieces. <sighs> Shit. She had broken through it. And then they eventually found Tammy's body inside her shower. She had been stabbed 25 times and was eviscerated. Oh, God. Her head had been cut open with a jigsaw. Oh, God. And her brain tissue was spread <gasps> out in the tub. This is horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Her torso had, like I said, been eviscerated, so it was cut open, and also with the saw, and her heart and parts of other organs were missing. Fuck. In the kitchen, officers found more of Tammy. No, 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 no. Namely, some organ bits, a frying pan with bits of meat. No! A pair of bloody tongs, and a plate that... With what looked like pieces of skull and bones. No! It looked as if Joseph cooked and ate the entire heart. What a fucking piece of shit. Mm-hmm. After seeing the scene, officers arrested... Vomited? Oh. After seeing the scene, officers vomited on Joseph and then arrested him. 
and they charged him with burglary, rape, and murder. Okay. He admitted to the officers that he had stabbed her in the head, neck, and body, and then he cut her open with an electric saw, removed part of her brain, and ate it raw. Oh. And then cooked and ate another section of the brain. Then he cut out her heart, cooked it, and ate it along with a piece of lung. Excuse me while I vomit. <laughs> Later, though, he said that he was coerced into confession and that he had been suffering head trauma and that he had been questioned for more than three hours. So he, Fuck he just right off. He just gave them what they wanted because he was like, "Okay, you're in a house with a girlfriend, and she is like cut open, and her organs are missing, and there's like bits of her on plates and in frying pans, and you're like, oh no, that was coerced." Well, he has an excuse for what happened, but. Of course he does. Of course he does. She did it to herself. Yes, yes. <laughs> she did it to herself. Self-inflicted wounds. God, definitely. what the fuck? Okay. Um, and because prosecutors were trying for the death penalty for Joseph, yes. the trial and subsequent sentencing was drawn out for six years. Yes. They were supposed to go to trial in 2016, but the defense asked for more time to prepare you have no defense. <laughs> That's why they're like, oh, can we have more time, please? We have to find an excuse. In 2017, Joseph was deemed unfit to stand trial, so he underwent treatment. For, do you know what for? Uh, I mean, the head trauma and stuff, and he, Do we find out where he got this? Yeah, well, brain yeah. Injury or so in 2018... He was deemed fit to stand trial. Okay. And then Joseph rejected his defense's insanity case, which set them back a bit. And then they went to court, but a mistrial was declared because a witness discussed Joseph's prior criminal record. So finally, in 2020, he went to trial. Jesus. Yeah. In court, Joseph told the judge that they had the wrong man. No. He wasn't Joseph Oberhansley. He was a guy named Zeus Brown. although he had no idea and couldn't prove it but he was zeus not joseph i would love to meet a zeus (laughs) zeus brown that is bold (laughs) so like i said he denied having anything to do with the murder and he went so far as to tell them what really happened i would love to hear his version of events you see according to joseph at around 4 a.m on september 11th he just happened to be outside tammy's home and he knocked on the door because he was like, I'm going to go see my girlfriend at 4 a.m. Yeah, mm-hmm. at 4 a.m. He's like, knock, knock. And she's like, oh, hi. And she opened the door. She's like, this is in. totally normal. Yeah. 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 He said that when he went inside, there were two black guys that he wasn't familiar with already in the house. And that Joseph caught bad vibes off these dudes. Okay. So she's just hanging out at 4 a.m., with two random dudes. With two random dudes. She's like, oh, my boyfriend's here. Yep. Uh, come on in. Yeah. Let's and all hang out. So they were kind of hanging out. Okay. And then he said, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I guess like Tammy went to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden he heard Tammy yell from the bathroom as one dude who apparently had dreads and was tall. <gasps> That's what he described oh, him as. Uh-uh. Started stabbing Tammy. The other dude, who Joseph <laughs> described as short and bald... Yeah, not dreaded. <laughs> pointed a gun at Joseph. Joseph then heroically pushed the gunman. Oh my god! And a fight broke out, and the man, the short bald man, yeah, who was allegedly armed with a gun, a gun. He had a gun in his hand. Yes. 
he decided he didn't know how to fire the gun or something because Joseph claims the dude hit him on the head and then he was knocked unconscious. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to make, like, that much of a noise. I mean, someone's already screaming in the bathroom. You don't want to draw too much attention to the house. Definitely, totally, yeah. Okay. So he's knocked unconscious. He said when he came to, he saw a knife laying next to him, and he, for some reason, just put it in his pocket. So here, okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, my knife must have dropped out. Yeah, that bloody knife. It's covered in blood. Let me just shove this in my pocket real Mm -hmm, quick. mm -hmm. Um... My problem with this is... Oh, yeah, what? You have a problem with this story? I do because it's like he's clearly an abusive asshole. Uh And then he's like, what are the chances that I'd be like checking in on my girlfriend and she'd have... At the exact moment that these two guys... That she'd be hanging out with two two guys who are like going to murder her Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. she's going to invite me into that. Yeah. I'm a hero. At 4 a.m. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So he said he put... The knife in his pocket, and then that, like, right when he put the knife in his pocket, the police knocked on the door. And then he said that... So it's 10 a.m. now. He yeah. goes over at 4 a.m. He passes well, he out, out until 10 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a big blow to the head. Puts the knife in the pocket. He said, like, he... Here's a knock he, on the his, door. His reason that he put the knife in his pocket was he said he was scared because he didn't know if the scary men were in the house still, so we wanted oh, to, like, make sure he was armed. Yeah. Yeah. And then he didn't know who was knocking at the door. It could be more armed so men trying to come in. let me answer the door real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like running away or whatever or checking in on Tammy, but I'm just gonna answer the door. Okay. So the prosecutor asked why if there were two okay, men. Okay, wait, wait. The defense team was like, yes, yes. let's go with this. Yes, yes, yes. That was the totally story. Totally believable. With. Two random black men came 2014, in. 2014, yep. no, 2020. That's the excuse. We're going yep. with the black man yep. story yep. again. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, prosecutors asked why, if there were two men in the house... Did he in... testify? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's why, if two men were in the house, intent on killing Tammy, yeah. why would they let her answer the door to let him in? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Why is she like, oh, come on in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also questioned the details of the supposed fight Joseph had with the short, bald man. Yeah. He asked... They had a knife and a gun, and they just knocked you in the back of the head like a Hardy Boys novel. <laughs> right, because he could recognize them. Yes. They're going to kill his girlfriend, and they're going to let him live? Right. Yeah. Good prosecution. The defense attorney argued that Joseph's account of what happened was reasonable. No, it was not. And that the prosecutors didn't provide any evidence to show that Joseph was the perpetrator. Except for all the evidence. (laughs) Joseph explained the reason he had confessed earlier was because he was confused after being hit in the head and knocked out, like I said earlier. Okay, you wouldn't think, like, no. What? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't, no. I just, this is so unbelievable because if really, if really his story was true, he wouldn't know about the organs being missing. He wouldn't know about, like, her head being split open. And why are his hands all bloodied and... I mean, I understand. I'm not like I understand false confessions happen, and sure. I understand that sometimes they're detailed because but they're not fed information. Like this. But this is just so ludicrous. So because this is 2020, like it was like the fall, like yeah. just recently. So he has been found guilty of robbery and murder, but not of rape because they couldn't prove it. Okay. Um, but he's still like in the sentencing phase, so I couldn't find information on what he was actually sentenced. But okay. or how he was sentenced, but he Hopefully has been found guilty. Sentenced forever. So, I bet you want to know about Joseph's past. Oh God, I can't even <laughs> imagine. 
So he was living in Utah when he was younger. Or when... Uh, yeah, he's living in Utah. His grandmother, Norma Dodge, remembers Joseph as a loving young man, the kind of kid who would always put his arms around me. He'd say he loved me and kissed me. Well, you're his grandma. But in 1997, his mood seemed to shift. Uh-oh. When he was 18 years old, his half-brother committed suicide. Oh. And then two weeks later, his father died of an oh, overdose. Oh, no. And then after those losses, he seemed to sink into a deep depression. Yeah. And he began drinking and using drugs to cope. Yeah. He was indifferent and irritable, frequently carried around his father's ashes. Oh, no. Shortly after the tragic deaths of his family members, he started dating a girl named Sabrina Elder, who was 17. And she's like, yeah, you're carrying around your dad's ashes. Totally it's normal. Super cool. Very cool. Very goth. Um... <laughs> Well, Sabrina moved into his grandma's house in Salt Lake City. At 17? Yep. Oh, goodness. And as luck would have it, oh, a no. baby happened. Oh, no, Sabrina. That's right. They had a baby mm. on December 9th, 1998, shortly after the birth of the baby named Joseph Jr. Aww. Like days after this baby was born, mm -hmm. Joseph came home high on meth, accusing Sabrina of cheating on him F and saying that the baby okay. wasn't his. Fucking A. Of course. He okay. was also jealous of Sabrina because he thought his mother and grandma liked her better than him. Uh-huh. Uh. His grandma said that he came into the house glassy-eyed and he looked like he was in another dimension. Mm. He paced up and down the hall and then walked into the living room where Sabrina was sitting on the couch, pulled a gun out and aimed it at her and shot her multiple times. Oh, my God. His mother, who was in the next room uh, holding their baby... Oh, my God. ...heard the gunfire. She put the baby down, and then, like, immediate Her reaction... Like, she thought it was an accident or something, so her reaction was to, like, get down on her knees in front of Sabrina to try and, Check like, mend the wounds or, like, oh yeah, help God. her out. Uh -huh. Well, he's still firing his gun. <gasps> so he shot... Uh, yeah, he shot, and she felt a stinging in her back... And she realized that she had been shot, and then she was also hit in the arm with a bullet. During this time, his 13-year-old sister grabbed the baby and ran for the door, and he fired at her, <gasps> but missed. Oh, my God. He then turned the gun on himself, firing it upwards below his chin yeah. into his head. His grandma saw him shoot himself in the head. Yeah. He spent three weeks in a coma in the hospital, with the bullet lodged in his frontal lobe. Uh before he was charged with murder and attempted murder. Well, I'd say that's a traumatic brain injury for sure. But it's like, that happened after. He had, you know? Yeah, no, he obviously had some shit going on yeah. before. Yeah, for sure. His attorney talked about how after his father and brother died, he turned to drugs and his personality changed, and somehow that was enough, because on January 7th of 2000, he pleaded guilty to manslaughter. How? How is that manslaughter? I don't know. And the judge sentenced him to no more than 15 years. I have no idea how that happened, but he had a damn good attorney who convinced them that he was so sad about his family dying and the drugs messed him up that it was manslaughter. Mm-hmm. He shot... Yep. And killed... His very young 
baby's mama who had just he given shot birth days his before. own mother mm-hmm. shot at his sibling mm-hmm. yep no yep now i know that they say that when you damage your frontal lobe uh shit goes bad since that's the part that <laughs> regulates your ability to self-monitor yes. and control your responses to things and yeah i believe that is the medical and term shit yes. goes bad shit go bad Mm-hmm. Yeah, but obviously he was having trouble doing that before. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And his defense attorney tried bringing tried bringing that into play during his murder trial of Tammy. Uh-huh. But like I said, like he murdered Sabrina before the damage. So obviously something else was like obviously there was some kind of thing going on that wasn't I mean, I'm sure that the frontal lobe damage had a bit to do with like his decision making with Tammy, but like he was making the same decisions before. Yeah, he's he had obviously that. already jealous and controlling mm-hmm. and horrible. Yeah, and trigger happy. In two thousand four, he told the parole board that he was so sorry and that it was all because of the deaths of his dad and brother, and that he went a bit too far. And also, like since he shot himself in the head, like it shows that he was like really. Like what about Sabrina and her life? And, and also, he feels like since he shot himself in the head, he feels a little bit mentally slower, and that it calmed him down. So like a little bit, yeah. Mentally. So he's like, he was like, it's all good. Like okay. it calmed me down. What about Sabrina? And what about that baby who doesn't have a mother anymore? Well, let me tell you, he is also repentant, and as proof, he showed them a tattoo that he got in prison of Sabrina. He got a prison tattoo of, of a person. Yes. How bad is that tattoo? Probably really bad, but he was like, see, look, I got her face tattooed on me as like a way to repent. Is it a way to repent or is it a way to like relive your murder of this poor woman? (laughs) Child. She was so young. Yep. And his mom, yes, his mom, who he shot, she lived and she came to his parole hearing to support her son. How? Well, she told the parole board that he was really sorry and that she what forgave him. What is their him. relationship So like? they should, too. They should forgive him. She forgave him. He shot at her and she forgave him. So I don't know what their problem is. He murdered <laughs> someone in front of her mm-hmm. and shot at her child. And shot her. And shot her, but also shot at her yep. other child. But he's so sorry. He sounds dangerous. Some of his other relatives asked oh. that he be kept locked up. Oh, finally, some sane people. Yeah. Um, an aunt and uncle of his had adopted the baby, and they... Yeah, ch- if he already is struggling with, like, impulse control and decision-making, and then he has this traumatic brain injury, yeah. Yeah. and he obviously struggles with, like, aggression... Well, he was and like, now this he has brain, less control. This brain injury like knocked my other no. injury no, into no. remission, no. so, now like, he has I'm less control. totally normal. He Look at my tattoo. Someone... Look at it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, the aunt and uncle with the baby. They adopted the baby, nice. and they changed the baby's name because they felt it was unfair to the baby to be named after a murderer. Oh, it was a junior? Joseph Jr. Oh, yeah. And they were afraid of Joseph. And yes. said that he sent them demanding letters about wanting to see his baby. Oh, God. And he, like, disregarded the name change. And, like, and was kept calling being, him like, Joseph baby junior, Jr. Baby Jr., Baby J. And, uh... 
And then they thought, like, that he had someone on the outside, like, following him because oh, he would, like, write them letters, like, oh, it looks like the baby's getting older. <sighs> like or, like, them. Yeah, but they could never prove it. But uh, he would, like, send them creepy letters. Well, if his mom is still on their side, maybe his mom's, like, writing letters about the baby to him. You could know? be, yeah. And then um, a cousin was like, oh, yeah, you know that, like, Sabrina tattoo and how he's so remorseful? Well, yeah. did you see the tattoo scrawled across his back that says murderous deeds? murderous deeds yep <laughs> yep is that also a prison tattoo yep <laughs> murderous deeds uh so they were like uh was it spelled correctly <laughs> who knows parole denied what so does that mean joseph remained in prison for eight more years what does murderous deeds mean i think he's got murderous deeds on the mind oh god okay good okay. july of 2012 he was released from prison <sighs> in utah during his prison sentence his mom moved to indiana so he was like can i get paroled in indiana so i can go whip with my mommy Mm -hmm. my mommy who i shot Mm -hmm. and they were like yep sounds good get the fuck out (laughs) so he moved to indiana and he was having a grand old time mostly hanging out at bars playing darts okay okay one night (laughs) on march 10th 2013 a woman in the bar he was, like, hanging out with invited him to her place, which uh-huh. was above a bar. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so they're up there. And then the bartender of the bar called the cops because he heard sounds of uh, fighting in the apartment above uh, the bar. That's got to be loud because bars are noisy. Yes. That's got to be so loud. Yes. And you're used to hearing shouting and stuff. So bars are rowdy anyway. And you're yeah. used to hearing people, like, yelling and screaming yeah. outside. So to hear, like... For the bartender to be like, that is not normal screaming. I'm calling the cops. Yeah. So as the police got there, like, knock on the door, a woman answered the door and yelled, he's killing my boyfriend. Fuck. Officers found Joseph in the bathroom, butt-ass naked. Sorry. Okay. Butt-ass naked. Yeah. Choking a man who was barely conscious. What the fuck? His knuckles were swollen and bleeding. The cops had to tase him twice to get him to let go of the dude. Once everyone was separated, Joseph told the officers that he was afraid for his life. He <laughs> said, Okay. He said the woman invited him over for sex. Yeah. And when they got to the place, a man attacked him from behind with a baseball bat. Okay. He did indeed have a bleeding head injury. Okay. He told the officers that the couple had stolen from him. And they, the cops did recover his wallet, iPod, and keys, the keys to his car, amongst the filth of the apartment. Okay. So he could have been set up. Mm-hmm. The woman told police that Joseph followed her home uninvited uh-uh. and her boyfriend rescued her, but officers noticed that her shirt was on backwards and inside out and her pants were unzipped and Joseph was naked. Um, right. So, uh, I mean... Okay. Police booked Joseph on aggravated battery, strangulation, and resisting law enforcement... His grandfather paid the $1,000 cash bond. Oh, my God. On July 29th of 2013, he was formally charged. Indiana parole officers were supposed to alert Utah authorities about the strangulation. Yeah, isn't that parole violation? Exactly. Because uh, if they had been alerted, they would have issued a warrant for a parole violation. Yeah. But apparently the Indiana parole officer was unsure if Joseph or the couple were the victim or the perpetrator because it was kind of like, we don't, I mean, he says that he was attacked. She says she was attacked. Right. We're not 100% sure how this is going to go when it goes to court. I understand that except for 
regardless, if he was caught strangling someone, yeah. I feel like that's a parole violation. Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. The office, the parole officer, I guess he sent requests to the prosecutor's office to like find out like who was the victim like in this happened. crime, what happened. Yeah. Um. So he sent a request, and the off the prosecutor's office said that they knew nothing of the case. And then he like inquired four more times and they didn't respond to any of his inquiries so what? yeah so the officer wrote that it was unclear if joseph would be prosecuted but promised he promised to let utah know if chi- if charges were filed who joseph or the officer the officer was like okay. we'll, we'll let you utah know but we're not sure happening. which way this is going to go because the prosecutors won't even get return my calls but um so, but eventually charges were filed. Okay. But they did not let Utah Fuck. know. Because, so Joseph's parole in Utah would expire by July 23rd. On July 21st is when, uh, oh, on July 21st, Joseph had been arrested again in Indiana for leading police on a slow speed <gasps> pursuit that lasted 40 minutes. Okay, that for sure is a parole violation. Unfortunately, Indiana didn't tell Utah about the arrest until after the 23rd when his parole was, like, done. What the fuck? But if it happened, like, before, can't you send him back? Also, wouldn't he be in jail in Indiana for a slow-speed chase? But they did, yeah, but he was in jail in Indiana, but the he didn't violate his parole because oh, they didn't let the parole board know. So he got away with those and didn't serve any time. And then he met Tammy. And then that's when he met Tammy, and then that happened, and now he's waiting sentencing. Oh, shit. So I think there were a lot of opportunities for police intervention or at least like something to happen. More com- better communication better across communication. state lines. Also, I understand as a defense attorney, it's your job to get your client off. But when your client is a piece of shit, like maybe you should just, you know, get them the best deal possible, but make sure that the community is safe. But it's not, a, it's about winning in court. Maybe it should be about, like, safety of communities. Well, yeah, 100%. It should not be about winning, but that's what it is right now. It's about, uh, yeah, just trying to get the best. Poor Tammy. T- yeah, so she, I think I think that her death could have been prevented had... Well, he should not have gotten manslaughter. No, exactly. And with his probation violations, he should have been sent back to prison, like, immediately. Exactly. So I feel like there were numerous times, or like you said, when he was prowling on her property. Yes. They could. They should have looked up his record. Yes. Don't I, they do like, I mean, they couldn't find out his name though. He said it was Zeus. No. Zeus Brown. They couldn't find out his name because he didn't have an ID, so they couldn't look it up then. But that's when you take him back, fingerprint him, because mm-hmm. he's trespassing on someone's property and she's afraid for her life. Yeah. Yeah. How are you not going to fingerprint that guy and take him back and do the whole thing? Keep him until you find out who he is, and when you find out what he is, who he is, keep him longer. You would think so, but none of that happened, and I think Fuck. Tammy died unnecessarily. Yes. It could have been prevented. Like, well, okay, Joseph, aka Zeus, may have had a few screws loose. Some, he, Zeus, Zeus is loose. loose. Zeus loose. Uh, but 
And also, it's like, I the, mean, it's like the cases where, like, I understand families, like, you know, you love family, it's important, whatever. But when your son is, like, fucking up that badly, don't bail him out. Well, it's don't like, love him from him. afar. Like, obviously, love you him need help. to, like, get him help. Yeah, you, you know? need help. And that means that, like, you're not safe. Society is not safe around you. Lock him up and, like, have him... Throw away the key. Get in counseling or whatever. I don't know. But that's, loving him is not letting him out to hurt other people. Right? And it's like you said, he... His mom saw him kill, murder his girlfriend, his baby's mom, and then try and kill her, shoot at her child and the baby. Yeah, why is her her protection more towards him than it is towards her own daughter who was shot at, who did nothing wrong but try and save his baby? Yeah, I mean... I would say, like... I don't know. And if he's threatening, like, if he's threatening family members, how is that not a uh-huh. violation, too? I don't know. Think Our system needs to be changed. Things, mm. like, it's, it's fucked up. It's super fucked up that he was able to go back on the streets mm-hmm. after committing such violent offenses. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg, and a tossed salad... Definitely a tossed salad, but like some it, kind of like, egg. I don't know, like some kind know. of egg, because like it. Well, meth. Meth could be the egg. Meth egg. <laughs> because You're sitting on a really little meth. Especially egg when there. you start doing it at a young age. Well, and who knows? Yeah, who knows if he would have been prone to some kind of. I mean, he was already like suffering from depression and all that, and who yeah. knows if you know that's the time when other mental health issues pop up. Yeah. So it could have been like you know self medicating for. Who knows what, and that just went it was really bad. Definitely self-medicating. But, fucking a. Well, and then it makes you paranoid. So then yeah. you're paranoid that your family likes your girlfriend better. Yeah. And if they do, so what? Be a better person and yeah. be happy that Maybe you're she's accepted shit. in your family. I know that poor girl, like seventeen. Yeah. Sabrina was seventeen when she was murdered, and she just had she a just, baby. Like literally days before, like that baby was fresh. Oh. Yeah, fucking. Gross. There, so I know I know the sex offender registry like did not go how the people who started it had planned for it to go. And in some aspects, like it's a really good thing, and then some aspects it's not like the best thing. You know, mm-hmm. if you're like urinating in public, you should yeah. you know, things like that. But um, there gotta be there should be a registry for people who have like murdered, murdered. spouses yes. or abused spouses yes. or stalked. Like, yeah. why don't we have registries for these to warn other people and potential, like, victims? Yeah. So you can look up the person and be like, oh, hey, this person murdered their 17-year-old well, baby's so that, mother. Well, so her friends looked up. Like, that's what they Googled him. And it said, like, that he was accused of, that he was charged with manslaughter yeah. for murdering his girlfriend at the time. And they were like, um, aren't you concerned? And she was like, well, he was, like, 19 at the time. He's like he's almost forty drugs. now. He was he's on like drugs. Yeah, he's like he's really working to get his life together. Oh. Like we can't judge people from the past, but it's like no, dude. Like red flags. Lots of red flags. I know, but we are taught like people can change, and you know. I don't know if you can change from that. Oh, that seems like, pretty. Well, it's I, one thing if you're like caught shoplifting shoes. Yeah. Like sure, yeah, okay, whatever, violence. but. Any kind of violence, yeah. not okay. Well, especially like domestic violence, the person you're Mm-mm. supposed to love. Yeah. You're not going to change that pattern unless you have serious like psychological help, and this guy had none. Yeah. So, 
He, oh, so that was that, shitty. That shit, that shit bag of shit. Hopefully he gets like life in prison. Oh, I thought you were going to say shanked. He hopefully gets shanked in prison. No, I don't want to put that on anyone. I just hope he gets like life in prison. For real, for real. Yeah, he better be locked up for good because, uh, no thank you. Ew. Uh, Ew. I hate that. She did everything. Tammy did everything uh-huh. that she could do. She did everything right. Why didn't they write? Okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Fuck. Well, on a lighter note. Yeah. You should check out Humble Be Herbal for some <laughs> products. Wait. Yeah, if you need to take care of your mental health. Yeah. A nice way to do it is treat yourself. Yeah. With love and kindness, treat your skin with good ingredients, natural ingredients. Nothing's better than a nice home spa And uh, treat your mama right. Oh, that's right. Humble Bee Herbal has a couple different boxes, gift boxes for Mother's Day. Some are very limited supply because everything is small batch. So check it out. Get it while you can. Treat your mama right. Show her that you love her. Also, motherhood comes in many forms. Mm -hmm. It's not just like... Get your grandma something, you know, get your aunt something, get your get your dog, dog mama something. Mama. <laughs> but really, treat yourself, treat get your, your father friends. something, get your, you know. Get everyone something. Give gifts. And it's really easy with the gift box. You just, you know, buy a box, it shows up on their porch, it's already wrapped you up. You type up a note, they handwrite it for you. It's they really tie cool. it in a little bow and it'll get there and done and done. Yeah, it's really easy and you look good doing it. Sure. Makes you look good. <laughs> Sending your mama something nice. Get her a nice spa box. She can treat herself. Humblebeherbal.com. Promo code CRIMINY20 at checkout to receive 20% off on your first order. Check them out. That's humblebeherbal.com. Check them out. Okay. You ready for Crime Any Sakes? Let's lighten this load. Okay. And now for the portion that we like to call Crime and Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Uh, I got this one from APNews.com. Garrett Miller didn't speak to the Garrett! Law- <laughs> what? Garrett Miller okay. didn't speak to the law enforcement officers who arrested him on charges he arrested him on charges he stormed the US Capitol in January. Uh... Uh-oh. But the T-shirt he was wearing at his Dallas home that day sent a clear and possibly incriminating message. <laughs> They're such idiots. Miller's okay. shirt had a photograph of former President Trump. Yeah. And it said, take America back. And I was there. Washington. <laughs> I was there. Washington, D.C., January oh. 6th, 2021. <laughs> what are the chances? What a fucking idiot mm, prosecutors are urging a judge to keep miller jailed while he awaits trial yes. on charges stemming from the riots at Look, the national these capital are the real terrorists guys yes fuck that dude <laughs> on a recorded call immediately after his arrest I was there miller told his mother i don't feel that i've done anything wrong and now i'm being locked up oh man like many of the more than 300 people facing charge, federal charges in connection with the siege, Miller thoroughly documented and, comment, <laughs> and commented on his actions the day that day in a uh, flurry of social media posts. Of course he did. After Miller posted a selfie showing himself inside the Capitol building, another Facebook user wrote, 
Bro, you got in? Nice. Uh, Miller replied, just wanted to incriminate myself <gasps> a little, LOL. Oh, what an idiot. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Uh, by bringing tactical gear, ropes, and potentially, by his own admission, a gun to the Capitol <gasps> on January 6, 2021, Miller showed that he was not just caught up in the frenzy yeah. of the crowd, but instead came to D.C. with the intention yeah. of disrupting the democratic process of counting and certifying electoral <sighs> college votes. Yeah. Prosecutors wrote, A federal magistrate judge in Texas ordered Miller detained after his January 20th arrest. On February 12th, a grand jury in the District of Columbia indicted Miller on 12 counts, including civil disorder, obstruction of an official proceeding, yeah. And assaulting, assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers, Miller remains jailed in Oklahoma City. His transport to Washington is on hold because he broke his collarbone while playing soccer in the recreational <laughs> yard at the Dallas jail. <laughs> That's this an intense piece game of, of shit. soccer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was there. Just yeah. trying to incriminate yeah. myself. Like, <laughs> what? And it's fucking yeah, the shirt. What did you think? Like, yeah. what did they all think? They're, like, posting this shit, yeah. live streaming from the Capitol. What, you think Trump gives a shit about you and is going to pardon you yep. for your idiocracy? That's what they're hoping. They, they're the real patriots. Fucking idiot. Disgusting pieces of shit. <laughs> Good thing they're fucking dumb. Like it doesn't. Shit yeah, it's not hard to catch them. Because they think they're in the right. A bunch of dummies. All right, I have one more from the same source, APNews.com. Okay. This one takes place in North Carolina. All right. Police in eastern North Carolina say they've arrested a goat. Excuse at, me? <laughs> after they got a call <laughs> reporting an attempted break-in. <laughs> See, this is how you deal with an attempted break-in. You arrest the person or goat. The Charlotte Observer reports that the incident occurred thir- occurred Tuesday in the college town of Greenville. <laughs> the Animal Protective Services Unit of the Greenville Police Department said in a statement that officials arrived to find the goat hanging out around the windows of the oh, house. Oh, very suspicious. The goat was taken to the city's animal shelter, but was soon picked up by his owner oh, to good. finish his sentence in house arrest. Did they put a little monitor <laughs> on his ankle? <laughs> around his little hoof? Could be. What the was house arrest? And then after he's done with that, he's going to like let him back out into the streets to menace more neighbors through the window? Well, yeah. I mean, who knows if he'll learn his lesson. <laughs> I hope he got a good defense attorney. <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, my God. Oh, I guess we could do another one. Oh, this one's fun. Okay. This one is also from APNews.com um, from Alaska. Some Alaska Costco shoppers said that they've had their groceries stolen by ravens (gasps) in the store parking lot. Put those ankle monitors on. House arrest. Matt Llewellyn said he was packing his groceries into his car in the parking lot of of an Anchorage Costco when ravens swooped in to steal a a short rib from his cart. Nice. I literally took 10 steps away and turned around. Two ravens came down and instantly grabbed one out of the package, ripped it off, and flew off with it. Yeah, they're like professionals. Llewellyn said the piece of meat was about four four by seven (laughs) inches, about 10 by 18 centimeters large. Okay. A sizable meal for a sizable bird. What <laughs> the fuck? Okay. They know what they're doing. It's not their first time, Luan yeah. said. 
obviously. They're very fat, so I know they've got a whole system there. They for sure do. <laughs> and once he got home, he noticed that one of the ravens had taken a poke at another rib, but oh. did not rob it. Oh. I cut the meat out and started marinating it, and my wife said, "That's gross. Yeah. We should we should take it back." Yeah. Costco actually took it back. Even yeah. after we started marinating them and gave us a full refund. Gotta love Costco. Additional raven thief sightings have emerged on social media. My parents were minding their business after a shop and made it home with one less steak. <laughs> Kimberly Waller wrote on they Facebook. They know what they want. The bird snatched it right out of the pack in the parking lot. Yes. Anchorage resident Tamara Josie replied to Waller's post and referred to the ravens as calculating. Yeah, they are. She said she said ravens hovered her in an attempt to steal her groceries. <laughs> I had two ravens, one that was on the car next to me, and he kept squawking really loud. Oh, Josie the said he would sit on the car and stare at me and then <laughs> hop next to the bed of the truck on the other side, and he kept going back and forth. The other raven was on the ground. Oh, he kept, he's distracting <laughs> He her. kept trying to pull. I had one of those little mini melons you have oh. in a little mesh bag, and they kept trying to grab the netting and pulling my melons off the cart. Oh, meat and fruit. <laughs> a raven started to fly in a circle around Josie until she got them to scram. He was waiting for another opportunity to grab the melons off the cart, but they never but they never were deterred, she said. They just stayed posted, waiting for their next opportunity to steal something off my cart. Yeah. They were very dedicated to their mission, she yeah, added. Yeah, they're hungry. <laughs> I would not have shoot them away. I would have given them whatever they wanted because you don't want to make an enemy out of a raven. They do make good friends, I yeah. think. Yeah. They bring you gems. Why? Yeah, why wouldn't you, like, give them an offering and they'll give you an offering and... Hopefully. Seems like they like meats and fruits. Apparently, I mean, they <laughs> will take whatever they can get. Ribs, they should let them choose. A four by they seven inch rib. For. Yeah, That's a big them. ass rib. <laughs> I mean, you've seen Costco ribs. That's true. And they will take them back, raven pecked and all. Mm. So. I can't believe the dude is going to eat him. <laughs> Why not? I would have too. Oh no. I would have had to have a, a, someone be like, uh, that's gross. Take that back. You'd have to like cook them well done. Nah, just you just cut around it. You can't know. What do ravens have? Birds have diseases. Birds carry disease. Hey, you cook it. Oh. Cook it out. No. I don't know. I think it makes you stronger. <laughs> Makes you connected to the ravens. Look, I'm just saying, if they want a melon or a rib, give them a melon or a rib, but, you know, cut it out yourself so you can eat the rest of the pack. That's true, yeah, yeah. Just give them some of your ribs. Just share with them. So if you're in Anchorage, Alaska, just yeah. make sure that when you're exiting Costco, you have an offering. Yes, buy extra for the ravens Raven if you don't want them to steal from you. Maybe yeah. just offer it. I think that's the real way to I mean, go I'm about it. I'm not trying it. to victim blame here or anything. I'm just saying the ravens clearly have it all figured out. They got a little gang situation happening yeah, over there. Yeah, you do not want to fuck with the raven gang. They will fuck your shit up. Oh, I love fuck ravens. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's right. fun. Well, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. And check out our sponsor, Humble Bee Herbal. And get some great gifts for your mama or your lady friends that you that are mamas in some way. Or male. Or male mamas. mamas. Any of the mamas. mamas anyone taking care. Treat yourself. Treat your friends and family. 
and bear with us as we continue to adjust and, you know, mix up the podcast. Cause yeah, sorry. We're trying as hard as we can to pains. be dependable and to post once a week. But things come up, as I'm sure it does for y'all, y'all out there. Y'all. And, um, yeah, we will keep you posted with what we are doing. Like we said, uh, hopefully we're going to be doing once a week until Angela is in grad school, being all, like, smart and shit. Wow. Learning how to (laughs) fool the system with her. I mean... You I know. know you guys didn't think I could do it because of how I talk, but I actually got some brains in my head. She's got some <laughs> brains in her head. That's confirmed. Um, Is it so, confirmed? Because you I haven't mean, seen them. Well, I haven't, but... So. Mm. <laughs> so tune in next week when we will be looking at Angela's brain. Yes. And, and maybe eating a bit. Just a little snack. <laughs> a little tasty snack. Morsels. Um, uh, yeah. Also, make offerings to Ravens and tune in next week. Tune in next and week. And check out our sources. Check them out. We will be here next week with some more fucked up shit. And we love you so much. Thanks. Goodbye. Are you going to say goodbye? No, I wasn't going to say goodbye. I wasn't oh. even going to say goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye.